Um, my name's Josh. Um, I look after the youth and children stuff here. But today, I get to not do that and get to come and speak to you, which is very exciting. Um, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about this. We're doing this series at the moment called One Thing. Um, and today, the one thing I want us to consider is the idea of our status or where we get our recognition from and these kind of things. And I, I'll be honest with you, as I've prepared this, I have been really challenged that I do it well, but not well enough. Uh, and actually, the, the, the passage and what it challenges us to do, I definitely don't do. And so I want you to come on a journey with me um, as I continue to try and work out, well, how does this look um, as we look in Philippians? So can I encourage you, if you are, haven't been here for a while, we've got new pew Bibles. Isn't that exciting? They're on the ends of the rows. We're going to go to Philippians 3, which is also page 1180, and we're going to read from verse 7. Can I encourage you to have it open? I'm going to be referring to it a lot, so don't close it when we finish the, um, the reading. Keep it open. We're going to look at a few different things kind of around it as well as in the passage. So I'm going to read from verse 7 through to verse 14, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to get going. Verse 7, Philippians 3. 1180. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is Paul speaking, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. God, I thank you that your spirit is in us and your spirit wants to encourage us this morning, wants to challenge us this morning and wants to equip us to go out uh, into our lives knowing you better and living for you better as well. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you who've been here a while, you'll go, oh, don't talk about it again, Josh, because you're just clearly living in the past. But I used to sprint. I used to be quite fast. Okay? I used to run. It's not the only like, illustration I have, but it's up there. And I used to run. And one time, some of you will have seen it from... No, I'm going to put that in a bin. <laughs> oh, think about it, Josh. Um, I used to run. And, and one time, I um, got to run. Some of you who've watched the UK Championships on telly will might have heard of the Alexandra Stadium. It was really cool. When you run through the line after a 200 meters, your time comes up on the screen to three decimal places. It was awesome. It's really not part of the story. Um, but I was running on this, and I remember getting to the final. I was the slowest qualifier in this 200 meter final. I think it was a Midlands event. And I got lane two. I quite like lane two. You can see people in front of you and chase them. But I had this one guy behind me who I think was a 17-year-old, probably Usain Bolt. He was insane. And I remember going down. We used to have, we used to have blocks. So we go down into these blocks. Yeah, that's right. I was good enough for blocks. And we went down into blocks. And you do your on your marks, get set, go. And I remember hearing this behind me. On your marks. It's coming out of his face. Okay. Set. 
go. And then he's making all sorts of noise behind me. And I'll be honest with you, I'm running scared. I'm running scared. I got the best time I've ever got for the 200 meters. And, but actually, I was looking forward. And I, was, and I was looking in the right direction, and I was going for it. And we've just read a passage that has a whole lot of sprinting, maybe not so much, but running language in it. Pressing on, looking forward, straining. And unlike my 200 meters, I think the race that this is talking about is more like a marathon. And it's, and it's life. And it's wanting to be more like Christ, seeking him as a priority, pressing on, straining, and looking forward. And we're going to look at some of those things this morning. But before we dive in, let's have a little bit. I said to keep our Bibles open. Let's have a little bit of a look at where we are. So this is the Philippian church we find in Acts 16. It's the first one in Eastern Europe. There's quite a lot of retired soldiers in this area. It's very patriotic. So the thing they struggle most with is the idea of Jesus Christ as the true king. So they're struggling with that. And that means that the church did suffer persecution and suffering. People didn't like the message that they were bringing. And... um, A guy from this church went to see Paul in prison, um, took him some money, took him a financial gift. And actually, this letter was written because Paul wanted to first say thank you. And then, as Paul does, he went off on a whole host of other ideas. And it's kind of a series of reflective letters kind of centering around this one that is all about Jesus and what he's done for us in chapter 2 to show us how we can live like Jesus now. It's, it's probably less correction and more encouragement, but there's definitely challenge. And there's challenge for us today as we read it as well. Paul, um, Paul's life in the present and the future was defined by Jesus with him. Uh, in this letter, we see him say stuff like, you know, I'm in prison and if I die, I get to be with Jesus. And if I live, I get to plant more churches and I'm kind of happy with both. So he's, he's just wanting to make Jesus' name Known, and he's urging the Philippians, and I believe as we sit here today, he's urging us to live as Jesus for others. To have a way of life that is shaped by knowing Jesus, a top and first priority in our lives. Verses 1 to 3 of this chapter, if we can look in it, is essentially a warning. Um, uses some pretty strong language. Paul calls some people dogs, which isn't very nice, but he really doesn't like them. Uh, and in these first three verses, it's these people who... So Paul would go around and he'd preach in synagogues. He'd preach Christ. And he would say, you are saved by grace and nothing else. No Jesus. And then these dogs, as he calls them, not my words, his, they would follow him around. And they would say... Yeah, what Paul said is pretty good, but you've just got to add on being circumcised and a couple of other old law requirements. Because if you really want to be a great Christian, like a really great one, saved by grace, sure, that's fantastic. But it's a bit easy, isn't it? Why don't we try a little bit harder, do a little bit more? And, so, and then Paul's kind of like, this is what's going on. And then in verses 4 to 6, you can look back if you want, it's his testimony. He's basically saying, if salvation can be attained in anything external that you are or have or can do, check me out. It seems like boasting as he goes through this list of things. You know, he talks about his kind of his heritage. He talks about where he's from, the tribe he's in. He talks about the fact that he is a proper Jew, like Juju, not just a bit Jew. And he's kind of really like, this, look, look at me. People are like, if anyone could have it through what their CV looks like, Paul's got it. And then he basically says, but actually salvation can't be attained from anything external. And he wants to make that really clear. He talks about being a Pharisee and all the good stuff that he did that people would have looked on and said, hey, he's pretty great. He even persecuted the church for a while because of blasphemy. And then as a lot of us will know, he met Jesus. And he went from persecuting the church to 
growing the church. And verse 7 that we read this morning begins to describe that change that started then and maybe what it looked like for him now that he'd met Jesus. Um, a couple of years ago, my wife Amy, some of you will know her, I think she read a blog online that talked about clutter, which is a good thing, let's not have clutter in our house, and started to just kind of throw things away. Um, and so things were being thrown away. I remember getting, I think it's to a wedding morning. I'm up here with the mic, so she can't do anything about this story right now. But I think it was a, a, wed- a wedding morning, and I got my uh, suit jacket that was from our wedding on. I said, darling, where are the trousers? He's thrown them away. <laughs> thrown away in the bin. And, and actually, that was accidental. She accidentally threw things away. But Paul is very deliberately asking us to consider things garbage um, in this passage. He's asking us to be a whole lot more deliberate about throwing the value of something out rather than ex- accidentally doing it. So looking back to verse 7, it says this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, or in Greek, animal poo. And I say poo because I think if I said anything else, I'd get told off. But it was worse than that. That I may gain Christ and be found in him. I think Paul is speaking about the things he's just been speaking about in verses four to six so we're kind of going to look at those as we then look at what our response what is this stuff that he now considers garbage and maybe what are the equivalents for us today so the first thing I think that he addresses is his social status he says I was circumcised on the eighth day people um, the people of Israel I'm tribe of Benjamin and I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews I think he's addressing his heritage his influence being known as somebody who is part of something great or something good or all the kind of ramifications that come with having that kind of heritage or even his title. So maybe for us, we could say, well, I grew up as a Christian and I'm from a Christian family and we could take a family photo. And what Paul's saying is he says, well, I consider it garbage. And then maybe we look at people who you have, who influence you, people who are seen as wise, people who at church or at work see as as a great leader or a great connect group leader. And, you know, we try and read books to get better and know things, but actually we can consider them garbage in comparison to knowing Jesus. I'm being deliberate here of of how stark the contrast is in what this passage is looking at. Maybe the idea of being cool or all together. He considers it garbage for the sake of knowing Jesus. Or maybe it's kind of like, the status, the things that we have to our title. It might be the stuff that we've learned and therefore we have a whole host of letters in front of our name. It might be, like me, that in year 11 you won the Sports Day Prize. And you need to consider that. This is me. You can't see it because of the sunlight, but that's me. It doesn't look like me. Consider it garbage. Or maybe we then get on to the next part that Paul talks about his intellectual status. He talks about being a Pharisee. Pharisees knew the Old Testament back to front. They followed not just the kind of Ten Commandments, but all these other ones as well, and did them perfectly. This, he had this accomplishment in the fact that he was a Pharisee. He had an intellectual understanding in the fact that he was a Pharisee. And maybe this knowledge of being known for being clever, or moving up in business, or all the things that we do through work, he would take it and he would say, don't worry, it is garbage. Oh. But that is difficult, isn't it? But Paul is saying it's garbage in comparison to knowing 
Jesus, maybe moving up the, the ladder at work, maybe knowing that you have the best bright ideas. He would consider them garbage compared, that broke, um, compared to knowing Christ. Maybe it's like knowing stuff. Having a certificate for something that you have done. Here at HGC, we take our audio-visual training very seriously. And when we pass, we get a certificate signed by Ben. And boys, I'm sorry, but Paul would say, I consider it garbage compared to knowing Christ or the church suite crown. For this week's church suite winner, whoever has done the best church sweeting, somehow, somehow, don't know how, Michael and Jamie won that this week. No idea how. But Paul would consider it garbage. So maybe, guys, it doesn't matter. He'd consider it garbage compared to knowing Christ. Knowing our theology, these things. He'd consider it garbage compared to really knowing Jesus. He doesn't mean these things are bad. We'll get there in a minute. But it's a comparison thing. And the last thing I think he addresses is his religious status. He talks about his zeal in persecuting the Christian church. And he talks about his faultless, kind of legalistic righteousness, that he is smashing it. That he is smashing the religious do's and don'ts and doing them all right. Or not doing them. That he's a good Christian. Maybe for us it's kind of like our reputation in church. Desire for others to know us as somebody who is a good leader. Or a good Christian. And it's not a bad thing to desire to be an example to those around us. But if that's what we're focusing on and not knowing Jesus, it's going to fall down. And so you have this thing where maybe you're trying to be this perfect connect group leader and follow these courses and these things. We're saying, I consider it garbage compared to knowing Jesus. Reading the Bible all the time. We all love to tell other people when they're wrong. We like to do that. I definitely do. I seem to know how to worship that when we're there, we're kind of like fighting battles in worship. And, but actually, all of this stuff, we've got to consider. These are CDs. We don't really use CDs for music anymore, do we? That's all I've got. We consider it garbage compared to knowing Christ. To give loads of money to the church. This is my actual bank card. I hope I find it afterwards. Consider it garbage compared to knowing Christ. Compromising to fit in, not judge not step on somebody else's beliefs or lifestyle choices or theology. We try to present this kind of white sheet of Christianity that doesn't offend. And actually, the only thing that's blameless is Jesus, and we can know that in him. But we try to look like this when reality we don't, and we need to look to knowing Jesus better. So we throw that out as well. We consider it garbage. I wonder for our social status, would you rather be known in the world or known in eternity by the creator of the world. I wonder for our intellectual status, would you rather be known as someone competent at work or someone known for knowing Jesus? Would you rather your child succeed in the eyes of the world but not know Jesus, or know Jesus and fail in the eyes of the world? Would you rather be known as a fantastic connect group leader an extravagant worshipper, a super generous giver, or someone who knows Jesus intimately in every area of your life, even if no one finds that out. I think I all, we can all look at those questions and say, yeah, I want to answer the right answer there. But it's hard, and I think that that shows our heart and the things that we truly value. Are we valuing things above Christ, even good things, but the order is, is wrong? I think I find it easy to say I desire Jesus most. 
I think I think that, and I think I reflect that in what I do. But as I've looked at this more in practice, I can see how I don't consider everything else garbage. They're just a bit less. And I think the way that I end up living and acting because of that means that actually it's not probably in line with how it should be. If I really considered all other things that spoke to my status and my recognition from the world around me as garbage compared to knowing Jesus, I'm pretty sure that big things in my life would shift. Ways that I use my money, ways that I use my time, ways that I treat people, I think it would shift. And I felt really, really challenged by this as I prepared this. And I, my prayer is that by the Holy Spirit and others that we'll be challenged in really specific ways this morning, maybe in some of these areas that we've just looked at. Even good things that build good reputation can become idols if ordered wrong. It's got to be knowing Jesus first. Understanding the reality of this as comparison. What would change in my priorities if I really considered all these things garbage? Everything changed when Paul met Jesus. From killing Christians to building churches. It's a big change, and the change won't look like that for us, probably. But an encounter with Jesus does leave us changed. Today, right now, an encounter with Jesus leaves us changed. So what do we need to do? We need to look at God's word and encounter him. And be willing to let the Holy Spirit shape and change us as we leave here today. Verse 9, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. If we trust in all the things that the world has to offer, pursue them, overvalue them, ahead of knowing Christ, no amount of external success or religious accolade can replace knowing intimacy with God. We got to our first point. That was a long time, wasn't it? (laughs) Knowing Christ requires us to look for our status in Christ and not in the world. Knowing Christ requires us to look for our status in Christ and not in the world. And a lot of this stuff is about Paul's and maybe our status in the past. Verses 7 to 9, you could look at that as the past. How do we change the present? And I think Paul begins to address that in the next part of the passage. But I've noticed something else. I find myself often imitating those around me. Michael, your service pastor here, says fair quite a lot. And I've realized I've started to say fair quite a lot. Rory says amazing all the time. And I've realized I've started to say amazing a little bit more. And Rosie, who works in the children's and youth stuff, she, she's from Birmingham. Uh, and I've realized that I've started to sound a little bit more from the Midlands. Now for you guys, northern, but it is the Midlands. The north is way further up. But I realize I've started to go back into those things. And I think as you spend time with people, get to know them, work alongside them, I definitely do, I begin to imitate them. And I wonder if we desire intimacy more with Jesus, spend time with him, whether we begin to imitate him as well. And I think that intimacy can lead and should lead to imitation. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Number one, to know the person of Jesus Christ. Not just about him, not just the Christian cliches, but to really, not intellect for intellect's sake, but knowing his words so that it brings life to your life. 
but also to, to study it, to seek to know him in our hearts, to know his word inside out. So when we come up against a situation that needs God's truth, we're ready to know it and speak it out. But it's more than that. It's also experientially, not only the person of Jesus, but the power of the resurrection. Experience that same power to resist sin, to break strongholds, to share my faith when I'm scared, to experience that power so that we can live out our faith, and finally to know his pain. And I think that this is the hardest one to say, and maybe even where we are in the world, the hardest one to see in reality. Because actually, if we want to know Jesus intimately, going through suffering and seeing how he works in and through us in those times helps us to know him more intimately. I think it's fair to say that in the eyes of the world, I have not suffered. And I'm really grateful for that. Not really. But I think I'd also say that the times that we suffer most is probably when those we love are suffering. And I remember a few years ago when my dad within a week went from finding out he had a big brain tumor to being in surgery. I remember the time that that was for my family and how challenging that was, sort of rushing back to Nottingham. And I I remember there's a verse in the Bible that basically talks about his grace being sufficient for us and his power being made perfect in our weakness. And I can see in the process of my dad's recovery, especially the three weeks where I felt like I was kind of leading my family in his absence, I can remember the power of Christ in my weakness working through me. I remember getting back to London and during one of the kids' bath times, just crying uncontrollably on the floor of the bathroom. Broken, sad, finding it really difficult. But actually, when I look back, I can see that I got to know Jesus better in what was a really difficult time. I got to know him better and became more intimate with him as I shared in what life brings. And life will bring suffering. It will look different for each of us, but life will bring suffering. So when it comes, are we willing to say to Jesus, help me learn more about you, help me know you better through this? Knowing Christ leads us to imitate him. So having dealt with the past and the present, Paul understands that there is a future, and that puts our response into context. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this look into the future, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Paul is like, hey, even I've not got there. With his CV, (laughs) his stuff, he's saying I haven't got there. So we're looking around and we're going, oh, there's lots of people here. Worship was great. Sermon was awesome. We're not there 11 a.m., this isn't it. You say, well, I've, you know, I've been to focus, so the power of the resurrection, I've seen that. That's not it. If Paul hasn't obtained it, neither have we. We need to keep looking and moving forward. When I was doing training, when I was sprinting, my coach used to say to me, he told me that when I run, I need to look straight ahead. He told me never to look back unless you're Usain Bolt, who is allowed to do what he wants, it seems. He can look sideways and still win the race. But actually, the reason that you shouldn't do it is because it slows you down. He got a world record on that one. It would have been faster if he hadn't looked to the side. The only way that you can run with all you have inside you is to focus on where you are running and not on where you are running from. We often tell people that they need to turn from something, but never tell them to turn to something. Maybe we try and get people to change by telling them to stop rather than to start. I think if we tell people to stop looking backwards and start looking forwards we might see 
change. I think quite a lot of us, a lot of the time, are running scared. And we're running scared because we're not looking in the right direction. And I think that change will only really occur. We can only know our status in Jesus when we stop trying to run away from something and start running towards someone in Jesus. And Paul explained that in the verses that we just read. So Paul is saying he doesn't look back at the past, but he looks forward at his future. Stressing to the Philippians to look first to Jesus, to press on. I press on, verse 14, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Like Paul, and maybe for us, not looking back at our CV, what we can achieve here, recognizing that our lives here are only momentary in comparison to eternity. Are our eyes on the prize? Are our eyes on Jesus? Are our eyes on eternity? Because actually that gives the context and gives us, I mean, it's so much more. We should be looking forward. Knowing Christ encourages us to look forward and not backwards. Putting Jesus number one. So I think we have a decision to make. And and as we respond, I'm going to invite the band to come up. I think we have a decision to make today. Do we press on? Do we live now in light of the future? Will we change some of our priorities? As we look at the past, looking to Christ to, for our status and not to the world. As we look to the present to, to imitate Christ and as we look to the future to look forwards. I'm going to invite you to stand. Let's stand, shall we? As I went through those social intellectual and religious status things and tried to think about some of the things it might be for us. I want to recognize for a minute that I didn't go through everything it could be. I think to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about your context, about where you are, about what those things could be that you value more than knowing Jesus. It might not be every time, but you know there might be things that sometimes I know that I put that ahead of knowing Jesus. And as we look at these social and intellectual, if you felt uncomfortable during one of them, it's probably the Holy Spirit dropping something in your heart and saying, you need to change that. We're going to respond in sung worship. And I want to encourage you to, that for some of us, this is a repentance thing. This is a, I'm sorry that I've been getting it wrong. to change our heart priorities and believe that our actions can change because of that. My challenge is that I realize I didn't consider these things garbage. That's my response today is that there's a lot of stuff I don't consider garbage. I really like recognition from the world. I really like recognition from my coworkers. I really like recognition from my wife and my children. I, I like that kind of status boost. I don't consider it garbage. But I think Paul's challenging us that we should. So as we sing, let's respond in our hearts and then I'll hand over to Michael.